Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. All right, week three of our series called Movement That Matters. Movement That Matters. Now, I would imagine that many of you throughout the years have had the, the responsibility of hiring someone. Perhaps you've been the hiring manager at a company and that has been kind of something that's been on your plate in your field of work, or you've been a part of a team that has been tasked with the responsibility of finding a new employee to bring on board. Maybe you've worked at an organization that's large enough to have a talent acquisition department whose job and responsibility is to go out, find people who are qualified, and bring them in. Though if you haven't had opportunity to make a hire, perhaps you've had to choose someone to be promoted, to level up, or you've had to uh, choose who's going to be the team captain or who's going to be the one to take on extra responsibility or maybe to lead an area of ministry. And of course, whenever we make a hire or we choose someone to level up, we want to know if they're qualified. Do they have the skills? Do they have the experience to do the job? And if we determine that a candidate is not competent, then we bypass that individual and continue our search. However, if you've ever had to hire someone, you know that determining someone's competency is only part of the process. Those responsible for making the hire also have to answer the question, what are the qualities, what are the characteristics that we're hoping for this candidate to have? In other words, what are the qualities, what are the characteristics that are going to set this individual apart from the rest of the field? What are the things that we're looking for that will cause them to rise above everyone else, to rise to the top? And of course, the answer to this question is going to vary from organization to organization as you try to find an individual who will fit your staff culture. That being said, though, there are a number of qualities or characteristics that any organization would want to have in a potential employee. For example, who doesn't want to hire somebody who is innovative or dependable or shows initiative or is an ideal team player? Patrick Lencioni, who is a leadership guru, an author, and a regular faculty member at the Global Leadership Summit, wrote a book called The Ideal Team Player. And in his book, he addresses uh, a few different uh, qualities that every company ought to look for in the candidates that they're trying to hire. And those qualities are being humble, or excuse me, hungry, humble, and smart. Hungry, are they driven? Are they hard working? Do they have a solid work ethic? Humble. Are they coachable? Are they teachable and smart? Do they have a high level of emotional intelligence? All right, pause, commercial break, time for a shameless plug. That is the kind of content that you receive when you come to the Global Leadership Summit. And so, if you've ever made a bad hire, if you don't handle conflict well, or there's some other aspect of your leadership that could use some work, the rest of your organization is silently begging you to go to the Global Leadership Summit because you need help. They all know it. They don't want to say it, right? So, that is coming up in a couple of weeks here at LifePoint. It's still time to get registered. You can go to lifepoint.org slash GLS. Commercial over. All right. In the same way that companies and organizations look for someone when making a hire, these common characteristics or attributes, 
Those who are sitting in the third chair share some common attributes and qualities as well. And we're going to dive into that in just a bit. But before we do, allow me to provide you a quick review of where we've been in this series so far. I need your help. As followers of Jesus, we are called to... Oh, my. That ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. We have free caffeine in the lobby. It's available to you. It is, it is free. It is delicious. Some of y'all need to get some. All right. We are called to? Thank you. We are called to make disciples who are capable of? Who are capable of? All right. That is our goal, right? We want to create a disciple-making movement. However, rarely do we talk about the actual process of making disciples. And so we want to examine the life of Jesus and see how he did it. On, while he was his time here on earth, how did he make disciples? In his book, Four Chair Discipling, Dan presents four challenges of Jesus that represent the intentional moving of individuals through various stages of development toward Christ-likeness. And each of these challenges, each of these stages is represented by a chair, hence the name of his book and the chairs that you see on the stage behind me. And so throughout this series, we are unpacking each of these commands that Jesus gives and talking about the process of going from a new believer to someone who is mature in Christ. What does that mean? look like. And our desire is to provide you with a framework, a roadmap for the work that we are called to do as followers of Jesus. And not only that, we want to help you identify which chair you're sitting in and what you need to do to make progress. And not only that, we want to help you identify which chair those you are trying to reach are sitting in and what you need to do to intentionally help them make progress in the disciple-making journey. And so two weeks ago when we kicked off this series, we talked about chair one. And in chair one, that is occupied by those who do not have a relationship with Jesus. They are not followers of Christ. Now, for those of us who are Christ followers, our job is to reach them with the message of the gospel. We are tasked, our role, our responsibility is to reach the lost. Now, chair two is occupied by those who are new believers, Right? They recently put their faith and trust in Christ. Their faith is new. Their faith is fresh. It's in its infancy stages. And so for those of us who are a little bit further along in our faith journey, who are a little bit more mature, not miles ahead, but just a little bit, our role, our responsibility is to come alongside these new believers and help them to develop a firm foundation on which their faith and life can grow and develop. Our role is to build the believer. Reach the lost. Chair one. Chair two. Build the believer. Now, if you missed either of the first two weeks, I would strongly encourage that you go back and listen to those messages or watch them on our website. Now, in, in just a moment, like I said, we're going to dive into chair three and the third challenge that Jesus gives to his followers. But before we do, I, I want to let you guys know that we're going to be putting out some additional teaching content later this week, and I don't want you to miss it. You'll thank me. I cut out two pages of notes from this message. Um, so that's what's coming later on this week. But last Sunday, I mentioned that chair two is where the majority of Christians are sitting. Unfortunately, though, the reason that chair two is the most popular chair is because that some of us have gotten comfortable and we've camped out in this seat 
rather than doing what we need to do to slide from chair two to chair three. And so in the video that we post, I'm going to be talking about the barriers between chairs and how they prevent us from making progress in this disciple-making process. And so be sure to keep an eye on our social media accounts or your email. We will let you know when that video is posted. Now, let's turn our attention to chair three and the third challenge that Jesus gives to his followers. You see, chair three is occupied by those who are rooted and established in their faith, which happens to be clear back at chair two. So part of our growth and development, right, when we're sitting in chair two, we want to build this firm foundation. We want to be rooted and established. Remember, we said that is the outcome for those who are sitting in chair two. And so for those who are sitting in chair three, they are rooted and established in their faith, and they are ready and willing to do the work of the ministry. Those who are sitting in chair three are ready and willing to do the work of the ministry, and those who are sitting in chair three are known as the workers. For this reason, an office chair comes to mind for me as I consider that third seat. Now, I realize not everyone is sitting in an office chair when they go about their business during the week, when they work their nine to five, and I fully recognize some of you are like, I wish I got to sit down at all while I was at work. But whatever you do, we know that an office chair is representative of work or a worker, things being done. Now, last week we mentioned that chair two is occupied by those who are new to the faith, those who are infants or children in the faith. And that being case, those who are sitting in chair three are teenagers or young adults in the faith, having mastered some of the basic ministry skills, they are eager to get involved. They are passionate about the work that lies ahead. And it's in this chair that their focus begins to shift from self to the needs and interests of others. Now, after working with teenagers for a number of years here at LifePoint, I never came across one who was fully mature and fully trained. Because they don't exist, right? That's not a thing amongst teenagers. In the same way, though, in the same way, chair three worker is not fully trained either. And they're not yet fully mature. But they're moving in that direction. They are growing in their maturity and they are gaining experience. And their desire to be used by God to bear spiritual fruit leads them to be willing to step out in faith and get to work. Now, if those who are in the third chair are known as the workers, then we have to ask, well, well, what kind of work are they expected to do? What kind of work is someone in chair three doing? Now, to answer that question, we have to take a look at the command that Jesus gives a handful of his disciples who were rooted and established in their faith and ready to work. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 19 says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. This is the challenge to those who are sitting in chair three. 
follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This command speaks to the kind of work that is being done by those who are sitting in the third chair. A fisher of men is someone who does the work of a disciple maker. To be a fisher of men, to be someone who is sitting in chair three, it requires you. It requires that you help someone make progress along the disciple-making process. Meaning, if you're going to be sitting in chair three, you have to reach the lost, build the believer, and equip or train the worker. Dan Spader writes, this third challenge, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, is one of the most misunderstood and least lived out teachings of Jesus. One of the most misunderstood and least lived out teachings of Jesus. And you might be wondering, well, why is that? Why is that the case? And it's because many people assume that if they are serving in the church, then they must be sitting in chair three. If I'm serving in the church, well then, how can I not be sitting in the third chair? And to be clear, while it's certainly possible for someone who is serving in the church to be sitting in chair three, serving doesn't guarantee that you're in the third chair. It doesn't guarantee that you're in the third chair. Now, of course, serving is such an important aspect and, and part of our growth and development as followers of Jesus. Mark 10, 45 says that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. And since Jesus made a point of serving others, we ought to follow his example as well. And so, finding a place to serve, whether in church or in the community, is an expectation of every believer It's expected of us if we're a follower of Christ, whether we're new to the faith or we've been following Jesus for decades. Therefore, if it's expected of us from new believer to a more mature believer, then serving ought to begin when someone is sitting in the second chair, when they are a new believer who are working on developing and building this firm foundation for their faith. In other words, serving is a basic requirement for all Christians. It's your gen ed, if you will. Everyone ought to be doing it. Why? It's because we're part of a body of Christ. We need one another. We are not complete unless we are all in this together. We're part of a family. We need one another. We are called to support one another. It's required to make church and ministry happen at its most effective and highest level. But Jesus had a different perspective when it comes to the work of those who are sitting in chair three. Follow along as I read Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 38. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. According to this passage... The work that is to be done by those in chair three is in the harvest field. 
ministering to those who are lost and helping them to mature in their faith. See, like I said moments ago, to be a fisher of men, to be a chair three worker requires that you help people make progress along the disciple-making process. This means even though I am a pastor, not everything I do on a Sunday morning or in my office during the week is chair three work, disciple-making work. Uh, Of course, some of my roles and responsibilities cause me to sit in chair three, but not everything does. And perhaps what allows me to sit in the third chair more than anything else is the work that Aaron and I are doing in our neighborhood where we live. See, we've made an intentional effort to get to know our neighbors the past few years, knowing that all of them are sitting in chair one. They don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. And just last week, not yesterday, but the week before, last Saturday night, we hosted a neighborhood barbecue for the houses that lived around us for the purpose of furthering to build and cultivate relationships with them. And as a result, one of our neighbors is coming with us on Friday night to Unpubbed. You see, we have this desire to see more and more opportunities to plant seeds in their life so that hopefully we can lead them to Jesus and then equip them as disciples who will make more and more disciples. That's what allows me to sit in chair three. It has nothing to do with the fact that I am a pastor at a church, meaning all of us, all of us in the spare time we have, whatever that looks like, can be sitting in the third chair if we're intentional about it. See, to provide a little bit more clarity, here are a couple of other scenarios. Uh, Again, if chair three work requires you to help people make progress in the disciple-making process, this means that some life pointers are sitting in chair three because of the work they do at LifePoint. Their volunteer role is focused on reaching the lost, building the believer, or equipping the worker. Also, there are those who are regularly serving at LifePoint on a Sunday morning in vital positions. We wouldn't be able to do ministry as effectively without them. But it's not their role on a Sunday morning that has them sitting in the third chair. It's the work they're doing in the harvest field to reach their neighbors, friends, co-workers, families who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. Or it's the meetings that they're having with people that they know who are believers but not as far along and helping them to build that foundation in their faith to help them mature. You see, at the end of the day, the work of chair three simply requires more from us. It requires more from us. And knowing this is what led Dan Spader to write that this is one of the least lived out teachings of Jesus. It requires us to alter our approach, to see things differently, to change how we prioritize our time, to shift our priorities. And in some respects, chair three work requires us to change how we live our lives. But Dan Spader also goes on to write, while this level of disciple-making is more demanding, the rewards are exhilarating. At the beginning of the message, we talked about the characteristics or attributes that you would look for in someone that you're trying to hire, that you want to join your team 
or your company. We want to make sure they fit our culture and have certain qualities. And so, in the same way, what are the characteristics and qualities of those who are sitting in the third chair? And we find the answer to that question from an interaction between Jesus and some of his disciples that is recorded for us in Luke chapter 5. See, one morning Jesus finds himself at the edge of a lake and and this crowd gathers around Jesus as he stands near this body of water. He takes a look behind him and he sees Peter's empty fishing boat. And he gets in and sits down. And Peter pushes him away from the shore just a bit and Jesus begins to teach the people. We're going to pick up the story in verse 4. You can follow along as I read Luke chapter 5 verses 4 through 11. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. From this passage, we find a number of characteristics or qualities of those who are sitting in chair three. First, they are available. See, Peter, James, and John were present, and they allowed Jesus to use their boat. When called upon to serve, they were ready and willing. And those who are in chair three are available. They make themselves available. Those who are in chair three are also faithful. After teaching the people, Jesus asked the disciples to do something difficult, And something that really didn't make sense to the disciples. He told them to put their nets down in deep water to catch fish. But as experienced fishermen, they would have known that the morning hours were not the best time to try to catch something. And that fish typically gathered in the shallow waters of this particular lake. They were also exhausted from a night of fishing. And they were probably frustrated as well, having not caught a thing. But despite all of this, They faithfully obeyed Jesus' request. Those who are sitting in chair three are faithful. Third, they are teachable. Jesus' fishing tips didn't fall in line with the way the disciples usually did things. However, they were willing to learn any new lesson that only obedience could teach, that only obedience could bring about. So they were teachable. They were coachable. Fourth, those who are sitting in the chair three are enthusiastic about the work they are doing and what they're learning. When the disciples lowered their nets into the deep water, they caught so many fish that their nets began to break. The passage says that they were astonished. And seeing what Jesus had just done, I'm sure Peter was excited as well. And he responds by falling at Jesus' knees and saying, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. You see, Peter realized that God was at work in this situation, and he was excited to be a part of it. Finally, those who are sitting in chair three are responsive to leadership. In his reply to Peter, Jesus repeats the challenge to those who are sitting in the third chair. From now on, you will catch men. 
And in verse 11, it tells us that they left everything and followed him. Moments ago, we said that the work of those who are sitting in chair three requires more of us. But those who are sitting in chair three, that's what they're all about. The majority of those who are actively moving from chair two to chair three are after more. They are available. They are teachable or faithful. They are teachable. They are enthusiastic about the things of God. And they are responsive to leadership. They are after more. And if you want to be used by God at this level of disciple-making, you have to ask yourself, are these qualities evident in my life? Are these characteristics, can they be seen in the way I live my life? And, and if not, don't be discouraged because these qualities, these characteristics can be developed. And you just need to figure out, okay, what do I need to do to begin to develop these qualities in my life? How can I be someone who is after more. When we're searching for a candidate to hire, I mean, it's great when we can find someone with the attributes that we're looking for. However, there's still this need to train and develop that individual so that they can do the job. They still need to possess certain skills to be effective, and they still need to gain experience. And the same is true for those who are sitting in the third chair. While they may possess the necessary attributes of someone who is sitting in the third chair, they're after more, there's still work to be done. And for this reason, our role and responsibility as followers of Jesus who are a little bit further down the road, not miles and miles ahead, a little bit further down the road, is to come alongside them to continue to help them to grow and develop so they can be an effective worker in the harvest field. So that being said, well, what are the needs then of those who are sitting in chair three? In what ways do they need to be equipped and trained? With the time that we have left this morning, I want to highlight two needs, two needs of those who are sitting in the third chair. First, those who are sitting in chair three need to continue to develop the skills that they began to develop while sitting in chair two. They need to continue to move forward in that growth and development. You see, those who are sitting in chair two, building that firm foundation, we talked about this, they, they learned to walk like Jesus. And now as they sit in chair three, they need to learn how to help others walk like Jesus. They learned how to talk as a new believer, to share their story, to share God's story. But as they sit in chair three, now they need to learn how to help others effectively share God's story with others in their life who don't yet know Jesus. Those who are sitting in chair two learn how to feed themselves spiritually, to dig into the truth of God's word for themselves. And now as they begin to sit in chair three, they need to teach others the word of God. They need to uh, feed others spiritually. Second, those who are sitting in chair three need to experience being used by God for kingdom work. And so those of us who are a little bit further along need to encourage those who have a desire to sit in chair three to take advantage of any and every opportunity to do the work of the ministry. And as much as we're able, we need to provide them with opportunities to practice and grow and develop the skills that they need in order to be an effective worker in the harvest field. The whole goal is to work yourself out of a job. And so in any position that you have at LifePoint, you need 
need to find someone who can come alongside you and say, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to train you up and I'm going to take a step out because then you can develop and grow as a worker, as someone who's doing the work of the ministry. We're all supposed to work ourselves out of a job. You see, and as we do that, as we give people opportunities to get invested and involved, there's going to be bumps in the road. And we'll have to redirect them at times. But as they experience God using them more and more, it's only going to increase their desire to do what God has called them to do, to make disciples who are capable of making disciples. And so for those of you who have a desire to sit in the third chair, how can you make your way into the harvest field? And I would encourage you to put yourself in a position to be used by God. Make yourself available to him. And in this way, you'll have opportunities to continue to develop the skills you need to be an effective disciple maker. And for those of you who are a little bit further down the road, how can you come alongside those who are sitting in chair three or have a desire to be sitting in chair three or are eager to be used by God? How can you coach them up so that they can move forward, move along? as they grow and develop as a disciple maker, doing the work of the ministry. That is the responsibility that we have to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are looking to move into the third chair. Hopefully you know by now our desire is that we would create a disciple-making movement at LifePoint. And in order for that to happen, we need to reach the lost, build the believer, and equip the worker. We all have a responsibility. We all have work to do. And so will you do your part to make that happen? And together with God's help, we can create a movement that matters. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you have given us this responsibility that you've already laid out this vision for what you want us, the church and followers of Christ, to be doing. To reach those who are far from you, to, to build up and, 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 and train and help to develop those who are new in their faith. And then coach and train those who are interested and have this desire to do more, to make disciples who make disciples, to reproduce themselves. God, I pray that you would be, uh, allow us to be effective in this work. May we see this movement take place here at your church, here in Elk Grove. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise because you're deserving of it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.